we're starting a brand new series. Well, we started it last week with Haley, and she was phenomenal. So I get the great privilege of going after. You know when you have to go after someone awesome? You know, it's encouraging and discouraging, but she was awesome. Um, it's called Into the New. And when I say Into the New, a lot of people here, you think Into the Ooh. Like, new is gross. Like, new is not what I know. New makes me feel uncomfortable. Now, we're usually okay with new items. Like, getting a new item is nice because you own it. And, and you own it, you can enjoy it, you can enjoy it as you please, you're in control. But new experiences, they often happen to us, right? And, and when something happens to us, we feel like we're out of control, and this can be scary. Now in life, there's two different types of people. There are those that instantly upgrade their phone as soon as the upgrade becomes available. Who? That's me, right? If, if, if it can be better, I'm in. But then there are those that resist the upgrade, because they believe that the upgrade is a sneaky inside job to slow down your phone and install a tracking device that watches your every move. Now, if you're the second type of person, I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. You're just crazy. <laughs> in fact, there's this guy, Nathan Mead. He was the youth pastor after Darcy and I at Botany. Now he's involved in our video team. Nathan was like this for the longest time. I don't know if he still is. But he had the iPhone 4 when the iPhone 7 was out. And he refused to upgrade. He's like, nah, man, they can't make me do anything. He's like, I know what they're up to. I know what they're trying to get at. And he refused to upgrade. And it ended up being that his phone just turned out to be like a glorified calculator. Like nothing else would work on it because he refused to upgrade to the new. Funny thing is Nathan was probably a little bit right because it got found out that Apple uh, was discovered and charged for intentionally slowing down your phone with the regular upgrades to coerce you into buying the newer model. And coerced I was. <laughs> I'm all good with it. Um, if you don't have the updated version, certain apps don't work properly, things begin to fail, and you have an overall worse experience. See, when you're stuck on the old, the new exciting features of the future become unavailable. And stepping into the new, it means leaving the old behind. And that can be really scary. When I upgrade my phone, these are the fears that come through my mind. I'm like, they better not delete all my messages. Because that's like half of my life stored in memory of my messages. They better not log me out of Instagram because I don't know what my password is. It's going to take me ages to figure out. They better not delete my contacts because otherwise I'm going to lose connection with people forever and I have no other way to getting them back. See, to step into the new is to leave the old behind and it can be scary. And as Christians in the room, and I realize that's not everybody here today, but as believers, it's important that we understand 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Everyone say new person has become a new person, the old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Now, if you're anything like me, you're probably not, but you're a highly conflicted person internally. I love the new, and I hate the new. Like, no one here is saying no to a brand new car, right? Like that fresh leather smell, the Bluetooth connectivity, like everything works, nothing's held together by rubber bands and cable ties. Your stereo goes over 89.9 FM, which was never a problem because my FM, New Zealand's hottest hip-hop and R&B, was all you ever needed anyway. You got that reverse camera, you know what I'm saying? Which I don't use because real men can reverse, but Darcy finds it helpful. <laughs> the truth is, We've never had a new car. I'm saying it like I've, we've got one. We don't. We probably will never have a new car, and that's okay. Most of us won't. But along the way, we will get new items, right? You might get a new phone and maybe a new pair of jeans. The other, a little while ago, Darcy and I got a new vacuum cleaner. I'm telling you, I was pumped. And youngsters, you know, 
you're getting old when vacuum cleaners, pillows, and sheets send you to the seventh heaven. Like, you are just loving life. Like, you want to go to Rainbow's Inn in the toy store. I just want to go to Briscoe's on a sale or Adair's if you're feeling fancy, you know. I love that stuff. Right. We all like new things. New things are nice. But new experiences and new ways of thinking are a whole different story. Why? Because we like the way we've packaged our life. Like we like what we like and we don't like what we don't like. And, you know, most of our days, weeks and years end up looking kind of similar. And in our own mind, we've figured life out. Kind of. We find this way of being comfortable. Comfortable is dangerous. See, comfort and familiarity, comfort and familiarity, comfort can be such an unassuming culprit. And I'm, I'm reluctant to try new things. I'm sure you are too. If I go to Subway, like, I don't care about the new limited edition offer. Like, it can go as fast as it came as far as I'm concerned. I know what I like. I know what I know. And I don't want to try anything else. So I basically just get the same thing every time because I know that my option is trusted. If I go for that, I'm going to have a good time. Sweet onion sh- chicken teriyaki, Italian herbs and cheese. You're winning. And, and so this new option, it's too risky for me. Like it might be good, it might not be good. I don't want to try new things. The other day I went to go and buy more of the hair product that I use. And I walked into the store and I said, do you have the, you know, the good stuff? You got, you got the good stuff. And she was like, now we've sold out, but could I interest you in another product? And in my mind, I was like, you probably could not interest me. I said, what have you? And she's like, started to go around and like, what about this one and this one and this one? And I let her have a little moment. And then I was like, no, 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 no. And I said it politely. I did. I promise. But I was like, I ain't trying none of that. I've tried these other products before and I'm always disappointed. I'm not trying anything new. I'm going to come back when that product is back in stock. Now, how many people here, show of hands, where you're sitting right now is within about two meters of where you usually sit? Hmm. <laughs> not fear the band, you have to sit there. That's in front of the drums, that's your spot, naughty. How many people are sitting in a section of chairs and that's the only section that you've ever sat in? Like I'm not, I'm not here to out you, I'm just saying could I challenge you? Maybe next week sit in a different section. I know it's crazy, you might have to talk to someone different, that's the weirdest. And when talking to someone different, you might make a new friend and then your life might be different and better all because you decided that change was your friend. And I get that it's uncomfortable, but maybe it would be a good challenge. Just sit somewhere different for the sake of change. See, the discomfort of change is the fuel that we need to grow. And comfort and familiarity is the greatest killer to you discovering a brand new way. Check this out in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 to 17. It should be coming up on the screen. It says, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, he says, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? (laughs) Who does that? It says, for the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one, no one puts new wine in old wineskins. For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. What's he saying? He's saying, do what is necessary for the season that you're in. He says, when someone is with you, celebrate. When they're not with you, mourn. He says, you wouldn't patch old clothes with new cloth. He says, you wouldn't put new wine into old wineskins. He says, stop mixing old ways 
with new ways. Like if it's going to be new, let it actually be new. You know, this moment in scripture is where it speaks of this new patch on old clothing. It's speaking of patching new covenant, New Testament truth onto old mosaic ceremonial laws. See, what was once the way is no longer the way. What once worked no longer works. And the way to be made right with God had changed. And the scripture is appealing to people to embody that change. See, this COVID-19 lockdown thing was a real doozy, wasn't it? Like, can you believe that even happened? And, and I realized that it's in our past and we're praying that it stays in our past. We don't need to revisit it. Um, but we are still freshly out of it. And I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that we have a really once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to look at something different. See, lockdown, what it did, it made us sit down. It made us stop and reflect and think. It made us consider what was most important to us, and in some ways, it simplified our lives. See, there are things that stopped in lockdown, and you never went back to them. That's a good thing. And then there are things that stopped in lockdown, and you never went back to them. That's a bad thing. You know, I found that, and I'm not that old. Someone in my rugby team yesterday thought I was 19. I looked, I looked across at another older guy. He gave me a look. I looked back and said, you're absolutely right. But I am 31, and I get that I'm not that old, and people have been, that are in this room have been Christians longer than I've been alive, but I've realized that what happens as we journey through life is we put all sorts of patches on ourselves. We put new patches onto old clothing, and these new patches, they just fill the gaps, they hide the wounds, they cover the scars, they kind of hold us all together. That patch of identity in our job, which maybe has been shaken in the last few months, our need for human interaction, our income, our freedom to browse shops, the excitement of going on a date, gathering together in church to worship God, our worldview, our attitudes towards certain people, our prejudices and our biases, our likes, our dislikes, our commitments and our disciplines. And we say, after gathering all these things over the years that we live, we say, this is my life. This is who I am. And we learn to navigate life like this. But when we try to patch up our old life, with, with new patches, God says, what you have to understand is that when you're saved by grace, the entire old life is gone and brand new life begins. When I was young, there was this really fun toy that uh, I used to love playing with. I think I got a picture of it to bring up on the screen. You see, if you're over 25, you might know what it is. And if you guys have never seen it, because to you, that's like, is that the first iPad? It's not. It's, n <laughs> it's better. <laughs> This, my friends, is my old mate, Etch-A-Sketch. And this was magical because what you could do is you could twist the knobs and the one on the left made the line of drawing go left and right and the one on the right made it go up and down. So trying to do a diagonal, was, it was got, it's hard. <laughs> and you like try to twist the knobs. And the cool thing about this is you could draw all sorts of pictures. There's no way that person actually drew that. They're lying. Um, that's photoshopped. But you could draw, draw all sorts of pictures, and when you were finished and you wanted to start again, there was this little thing, and you just slide it across, and it wipes it clean. So it doesn't matter what you drew. You could get messy. You could draw a house, a sun, a dog, a, a face in the sun. You could do whatever you wanted, and when you decided you wanted to start again, you could wipe the slate clean. But the thing is, you couldn't delete a part of it. You couldn't be like, I like the house, but I don't like the sun. So I'm just going to remove that part. No, no, no. It was all gone. The old was gone, and then here's the cool part. You got to decide what you put back on again. So you'd sit there for hours playing like, oh, I like that picture. Oh, man, I nailed the house. But to get rid of the dog that looks creepy, I've got to get rid of the whole thing. And so you would wipe the slate clean, but then you got to choose what you put back on. 
you know, lockdown kind of felt like the slate was wiped clean. It's like all those band-aids that I mentioned were all ripped off at once and it hurt. It was confusing. It was unsettling. And for most of us, we didn't like it. And I get that this is a difficult season, but this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You realize that for some of you, you realize that being present in your children's lives is one of the most important things that you could possibly do. For some, you had a breather from a really toxic relationship. Like for once, you actually just got to think clear and look after yourself and it felt so good. For some, this propelled you into a new career or business venture that you always wanted to do, but you were stuck in the comfort zone of what you had. To rip off the Band-Aid was too painful. I can't leave my, because of, of the excuses and all the reasons why you couldn't do it, but here you are. The Band-Aids have been ripped off all at once and it hurt, yes, but here you are with a brand new, exciting venture. There's a young couple in our church that have always wanted to start their own business. And I'll keep them anonymous, but their jobs were made redundant, but they stepped into running their new business and it's going well. And I'm so excited for them for what is a brand new opportunity. See, all those Band-Aids got ripped off at once. For some, and I realize our lockdown experience was, was different. But just like the Etch-A-Sketch, you get a chance, the slate has been wiped clean about what you get to put back on. And so what band-aids will you put back on to your life? Because they don't, all, they don't all have to come with you into your future. Like now is the moment, this is the time, this is that line in the sand where you get to start and rebuild your life again with a lifetime of experience on what doesn't work and what has always been holding you back. But when you do this, it'll be a new experience. New things are fine, but new experiences aren't quite the same. They rattle us because they make us uncomfortable. See, stepping into something new can be scary. It's that element of the unknown. It's the what ifs. It's the uncertainty. Stepping into something new requires vulnerability, and we don't like that, do we? Because with vulnerability, uh-oh, people get to see underneath the mask. People get to see the real us, and that doesn't feel nice. We've developed a way to make our life nice and tidy. Vulnerability means we see under the mask. It means you're uncomfortable, you're nervous. It means you're out of control. But you know what you could do? You could just forget everything I'm saying, and that's fine. Most will. <laughs> you could just go back to the way things were. You could if you wanted to because it's your life and God has given you free will and the ability to choose that. You could just go back to the same frustrations, the same what-ifs, the same distant dreams. But I believe that we serve a God who calls more out of us, who's constantly call, calling more out of us. And when we stop growing, we start declining. But the discomfort of exploration is the fuel that we need to grow. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Darcy and I, we went and stayed um, up in Matarangi near Coromandel because our house was getting plastered ready to paint and we'll do the painting, plaster can do the plastering. And so um, we went and stayed at a friend's batch. He offered it to us, which was so amazing. And we were up there and we were working and we needed a bit of a breather. So we went for a walk along the beach. Ay. And we were walking along the beach and there was this nice strip that had all these nice, like really beautiful beach houses. And as we were walking along, we were just dreaming, as you do. You're like, man, wouldn't it be so cool to one day own one of these beach houses? Like we can come and spend time here with, you know, friends and family or lease it out to friends. Like you guys can come stay, like just to bless people in our world. Um, and as we're walking along the beach and we saw this big piece of driftwood, we wandered over, we sat down, we got a stick and we were drawing in the sand. And I looked up at Darcy and I remember saying, you know what's crazy? Like, we could just move here. Like, if we wanted to, we could just buy a house and live here. Now, we, we're not going to do that. We don't want to. We love what we're called to do here. We'll probably be here forever. But that thought that nothing was actually in our way. 
like very little, like a few bits of logistics and stuff to figure out. But if we wanted to, we could live here. And when we had this brief conversation where we were like, man, like there are so many people that are so close to living the life they desire, so close to living the life that they feel God has called them to live, but comfort holds them back. So many people with chains around their ankles, but the same people with the chains are the ones holding the keys in their hands. Do you realize that the life that you feel called to live, a brand new season is just on the other side of your commitment to make it happen, but it requires a new experience of it. I've got a couple of thoughts that I believe are going to encourage us and be helpful. As you step into something new, the first thing you need to know is this, that feeling vulnerable is not incompetence. Feeling vulnerable is not incompetence. I mean, don't you just hate when you step out to give something a go and you fail miserably? Like, I hate that. Like most of us, in fact, all of us are good at something. Some of us are good at a few things. And if you're Tim Borman, wherever he is, you're good at everything. That guy. See, you're probably helping to train the tech team after playing the guitar. He can dance. He's a man. He's a man in three quarters. Um, But we hate that feeling of underperforming. See, for most of us, when we try something new, we just wing it, right? We just do the best that we can. But with winging, it comes moments where you fall flat on your face. And you have to understand that part of stepping into something new involves underperforming. Like, it includes feeling inadequate. There's nothing wrong with you. That's just what new experiences bring. Um, I remember when I was 15 and I applied for a job at, at Food Town, they're now Countdowns, um, out in East Auckland. And I went for the interview as a 15, little runty 15-year-old. The interview must have gone okay. And I remember going home that day. It was a Saturday. And then I went to go and stay the night at my friend's house, play video games, hang out. And the lady that I had the interview with called me at home after the interview on Saturday night, but I wasn't home. And my mum said, oh, he's staying the night at his friend's house. I'll give you that number so you can call him there. This was before cell phones. So like, you couldn't just call me directly. I'm old. Um, And so this lady called my friend's house and my friend's mum answered the phone and she's like, yeah, he's here, Adam, the phone's for you. And I went over and answered the phone and the lady said to me, she says, are you always this elusive? And I didn't know what the word meant. (laughs) but I wasn't going to let on because I was trying to be impressive and get the job. Elusive means like hard to contact, hard to get a hold of, hard to communicate with. She says, are you always this elusive? I said, yeah, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Because I didn't know what the word meant. And I got the job. How good. (laughs) Sometimes when you're doing something brand new, you've just got to wing it and do the best that you can with what you've got. Maybe your new season includes reading the Bible and journaling every day before work. Guess what? When you start out, most days, you're going to read something, you're going to write something, and none of it made sense. Maybe your new season requires you mending a relationship with a child, or maybe with your parents. And so you jump on the phone and you say all the wrong stuff, and you feel like you ended up making it worse rather than better. That's okay. You're brand new to this. Maybe your new season includes speaking to someone about a past hurt that's still crippling you. And it's going to make you anxious. You're going to stress out. You're going to plan to share so much, but when you get there, it just didn't quite go and you ended up sharing just a little bit. All of this is okay. You're not meant to be good at it. This is brand new for you. That's why we can watch children in a Christmas production with big smiles on our faces as they wobble around the stage, their costumes on backwards, missing all of the cues, and we're still so delighted and impressed. The fact that they're giving it a go is the win. And this new season for you 
is going to require you to get out of your comfort zone, which by definition means you're going to be uncomfortable. Could I encourage you to learn to be okay with this? There's nothing wrong with you. This is what new experiences bring. Of course you feel vulnerable and exposed. This is what bravery requires of us. If I could give you one small tip on this, it's as you step out into a new season and you feel vulnerable and you feel anxious, don't ignore that. It's true. See, this is what we do all the time. Like, no, 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 I'm sweet. Like, I'm all good. I've got it. And internally, you're not. And you feel anxious and you feel worried. My tip is identify it and name it. Identify and name it. Bring it out into the open. You might say, oh, no, I feel all good. But inside, you're anxious. You know what's better and more helpful? I am anxious. But then declare God's truth over your life. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to I am anxious, but God is in control and I'm going to be okay. Uh, I feel vulnerable. When I'm not in control, but this is a new experience for me, and that's a normal feeling. So important that we don't compare our start to somebody else's finish. You don't have the 10 years of experience that they do. You haven't learned the lessons that they do. This is brand new for you, and it's okay to feel vulnerable. It is part of the experience. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 10. This is encouraging. It says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in what? In weakness, not in strength, not in having it all together, not in knowing the right steps when you try something new, but in our weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You will feel vulnerable, but that's okay. It's part of a new experience. Vulnerability is not incompetence. And as you step into a new season, second and final thing is this, set the right expectations. Set the right expectations. Now, I love a good comedy movie. Um, I'm not massively into movies at all. If I go on a 15-hour flight, I'll watch one, maybe two, because I can't be bothered watching movies. That's how weird I am. Um, But if it's funny, I could be convinced. And I remember being in high school when the movie Anchorman came out. No comment on whether I'm condoning Anchorman or not, but I'm just telling you the story. Anchorman came out, and everyone around me wouldn't shut up about how funny it was. Like, they were going on and on and on. And like, it's the funniest movie I've ever seen in my whole life, they chirped. And I was like, okay. And so this built my expectations up real high. Like, I was made to believe my spleen was going to burst it was that funny. And then I finally watched the movie, and I was disappointed. I was like, don't me. See? I was like, it's good. Like, there were some funny moments, but there's no way it's the funniest movie. Like, I wouldn't even put it top 10, to be honest. You know, disappointment is one of the ways we describe what happens when our expectations aren't met. When you step into something new, you have to set your expectations accurately. You probably won't nail it. This is encouraging, isn't it? You probably won't nail it. You'll probably wish you never tried. You'll want to run back to the comfort and the security of the things that you're already good at. But my tip for you is simply this, define the win. Decide what the win looks like in this season of your life. What does it look like? Where am I going? We've got five amazing interns uh, here at Elam Christian Center, Papakura. And we're going to have even more next year. I'll tell you more about that later in the year. Imagine we all did internship. How good would that be? We changed the world. Think about it. Um, 
And, and one of our interns, his name is Caleb, he's standing at the back there looking so handsome because he's, he's got a job to do. He has just started a brand new team here at Elam Christian Center, Papakura, and it's a team called Count Me In, the Count Me In team. Here's the cool thing. Do you know that every single Sunday since we launched and we've had live service, every single Sunday, someone has said yes to following Jesus. That's amazing. So what happens is people invite their friends, people invite their families, people end up in this room for a range of different reasons, and here they are, they hear the gospel message, and it's compelling. And I was working with Caleb to help him set up a team where people would have simple conversations that would help people take their next step, that would give them free Bibles and help support them in that decision. And gathering a team was a new experience for Caleb. I had done it before. Caleb had never done it before. It was a brand new experience for him. And so we needed to define and define the win and set the expectations accurately. And so what we did is we came up with a list of people that may or may not potentially be interested in being in this team. And I said, Caleb, what I want you to do is I want you to call and ask everyone on this list if they would consider being in your team. I said, I don't care if every single one of them say no. Like seriously, that's not the win. And the reason for that is because you've never done this before. You might not always have the right words to say. You might not know how to answer every single question, but let's define the win. You are brand new to this. The win is that you ask every single person on your list. Some might say yes, some might say no, but if you ask everyone, that's the win. Well, guess what? Caleb jumped into it knowing some would say yes, some would say no, but the win was that he asked everyone on the list. And guess what happened? Some said yes, some said no. He has a brilliant team that started last week. They're going to be there again today to help people take their next step. He's got that win, and now he can focus on the next win in front of him. If I said, Caleb, you need 27 people that are all like Bible scholars that can do everything, and he would have been like, I don't even know where to start. But because he's brand new, he set the expectations right. I'm going to get the early win, and I'm going to build on that. And as you decide what's most important in your life in this next season, you've got to define the win, but make the expectation right. See, maybe you want to join a small group, but you're a bit nervous because you know that they might talk about the Bible. Guess what? Your win is not contributing to an in-depth Bible study. Your win is just turning up. No matter what, just turn up and be there. And as you do that, you're going to build confidence that you can build on. Maybe you want to spend more time with your kids. Maybe it's something that you haven't really done in the past and lockdown sort of opened your eyes to it. Now, what you want is an amazing time where you build unity, where there's connection, you know, where like you laugh together and you can teach them something. And that sounds amazing, but if you're starting out, that might not happen that way. But maybe your win is saying something like, I'm gonna give them two hours of dedicated time in each week. Like two hours of uninterrupted time with my kids. I don't care where we are. I don't care what, what they do, but they're going to have my full attention for two hours. You achieve that. It feels good. You get the early win under your belt, and then you begin to build from there. Maybe you've decided that you want to start giving regularly to church, and you want to give a certain amount or a certain percentage. That's amazing. God will honor you for doing that, but you've got to set your expectations right. So maybe it's starting with something really small, but making it regular. And as you build your comfort around that, you can increase the value if you want to. But the point is, don't come out all guns blazing and then two months later fall flat on your face. Set the expectation right. Start small, start manageable, and build from there. And even after you've set your expectations, because you're stepping into something new, there are going to be moments where you feel like you're not cut out for it. Like you wish you never gave it a go. Like you feel like giving up. But this is normal. This is what feeling stretched looks like. See, I got this little rubber band here. It's quite cute. When you stretch a rubber band, absolutely 
everything in this rubber band is focused on what? Returning back to the way that it was. And that's how it feels when we get stretched. To, to get stretched means to pull away from where we were. But this is where the growth comes. Because if you can maintain the stretch long enough, that, that pull back to the way you were becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. And you will be stretched in a brand new season. But you can take encouragement in this. And band, you guys can join me. That'd be awesome. In Psalm 37, verse 23 to 24, this is what God says to us. And I think this is so relevant for us as we step into a new season. He says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. That's good. Because maybe you were sitting here this morning thinking, wait, I thought God was on my side. I thought I wasn't meant to stumble. But here he is telling you, you will. Oh, you will stumble, but you'll never fall. And that's so encouraging to know that as you go and as you venture and as you step out and as you get brave and as you feel vulnerable, there will be stumbling moments and you'll feel like you're gonna fall, fall flat on your face. But God is right there with you every step of the way. You will stumble, but God's promise to you is that you will never fall. And so right now, each of us, we sit at a crossroads moment, don't we? We take the new path or we stay on the familiar track. Will we keep putting up with the same frustration or will we decide today that I am stepping into the new? Yeah, I'm gonna feel vulnerable and uncomfortable. I'm expecting to feel that way and I'm not gonna shy away from it. I'm gonna identify and name my feelings and I understand that vulnerability is not incompetence. I will get better, but the first step will be the hardest one. And as I step out, I'm gonna set the right expectations. I'm gonna be honest with the fact that I am brand new to this and that's okay. I'm not meant to be an expert yet. God is with me, he's gone before me, and he will be with me every step of the way. I get that new is scary, but new is calling your name. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it's the scripture that's on the wall. You may have noticed it as you come in. It's really important to us at Elam Christian Center. Sort of defines what we feel God has called us to teach and lead through. And it simply says this, this is God speaking to you. He says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. COVID was crazy. And for some people, that was just a one piece in the puzzle of the challenges that you've been going through. But I want to declare over your life that this is a brand new season. And for every person, your brand new season might look quite different from the person next to you. That's okay. But I want to do one thing as we finish up now. I want everyone to grab a connect card. There's a connect card really close to you. There's a pen there. I want you to grab that. And I'm not gonna make you fill it in if you don't want to, but I want you to consider this. That in order to step into a brand new season, that first part's really important, the step. It's the reaching out. It's the getting vulnerable. And every single one of us has a next step to take. Now there's some options that they give you on the card, but it's not limited to that. You can see some options like joining Growth Track. I spoke about that earlier. Maybe you're saying, yep, I need to discover why God wired me. I need to start getting involved in the dream team. You can tick that, join a small group, whatever. There's a section at the bottom that says prayer requests. Maybe for you, stepping into a brand new season is simply reaching out and getting vulnerable to ask someone to pray for you. 
We take those Connect cards every week and we pray for them as a team. We pray for them all throughout the week. We come together, we consider them. If they're uh, super private, Darcy and I don't let them go further than us. But we pray and we believe for God's best in your life. And maybe you've been carrying something and you've never wanted to share it because you know what that means? It means you feel out of control. You feel vulnerable. We wanna pray for you. There's a next step for everybody. If it's a prayer request, maybe it's a practical step like small group growth track. Maybe you want a contribution number for giving. I don't know what it is. You can put it on the card. And in a few moments when Jermaine comes back, we're gonna pass the offering buckets around and you can put it inside. She's gonna give you a few other bits and pieces to know about that. But let's close our eyes and pray.